You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. For those who haven't come across you online, each of you introduce yourself and tell our listeners what we're talking about today. My name is Jeff Key. I am the president of Pioneer X, a pharmacy system uh, targeted to the independent pharmacy. I'm Craig McEwen. I'm the CEO of Red Sale Technologies. We're here uh, talking about how do we help independent pharmacy continue to be great. When's the first time you guys met? Probably about a year ago. Archish of 2020. Yeah. So just a year ago. Yeah. Just before uh, Red Sale closed the acquisition of QS1. When was the closing of Pioneer with Red Sale? Early December. So you guys haven't had a lot of personal time together as far as in the same room, and you may not ever. Well, you throw, you throw COVID into the mix, it's even less than you think. I mean, it, it seems like a lot because there's been a lot of learning, and then it doesn't seem like a lot. Lots of uh, video conferencing, right? So it seems you, you put your best face on more than kind of chilling. Pretty much several hours every day almost. A lot of times, just trying to get to learn. Everybody wants to know everything. Craig, how much time did you have in the pharmacy operating system or pharmacy management system? How much experience, Craig, did you have in that before you were either welcomed or thrown into the, the QS1 system back last March? I've been in the pharmacy technology space for uh, since rough, r- roughly 10 years. I, I, I started through pharmacy health systems and we took a portion of uh, a McKesson business private uh, and and then following that I was the co-founder of a, a business in the specialty pharmacy technology space called Trellis RX, which which I'm still very much involved in uh, chairing that board. And then uh, subsequent to that, the the QS1 and, and Pioneer uh, relationship. So b- broadly speaking, 10 years in pharmacy technology, independent retail pharmacy technology. It's only been about a year. How about you, Jeff? Yeah. So the the Dixons. Uh, Mr. Dixon, the, the generation above the Dixons today. He'll always be Mr. Dixon. He'll always be Mr. Dixon. Yeah, I know how that uh, goes. Mr. Dixon went to MIT after he got out of the military and found computers there and decided pharmacies needed computers and was one of the first people to put computer systems in a pharmacy. It's called New Tech Computer System. They developed a Unix-based system called PRISM. So that system, they had converted to uh, Linux and had about 500 customers on it. They had tried to replace it twice. They had tried to build a version two. They had tried to build a new version out of Power Builder and had failed. And they brought me in to build a new Windows-based pharmacy system. That was about 13 years ago. Because your schooling is in developing. Correct. You have an undergraduate in electrical engineering, my graduate's degree in computer, actually computer systems technology. How did they get a hold of you to pull you in? So I had worked for a couple of companies, uh, had some patents, was making some residual income, and took a couple of years hiatus to teach college and continue education. So home was Shreveport, Louisiana. In the companies that I had worked for there, one of our struggles was getting good developers. So the state was spending some money on developer, on uh, education. 
So I took a job at the local university with kind of a four-year goal to improve the quality of the students coming out of the programs, both on the continuing education side and the computer science side. So I taught senior level computer science. I taught continuing education in Microsoft development, uh, databases, and software development. And the uh, new tech brought me in to teach their four or five developers how to develop in a modern system. They had decided that they needed to build a new thing in, in Microsoft technologies. And the uh, Dixon, who was in charge of that area, was very hands-on. And he actually sat in some of those classes and he really liked what he heard. And he asked me to dinner and said, hey, can you come help us build a pharmacy system? What's the decision that you came in saying, all right, yes, we want to go Microsoft. We don't want to do Linux. How did he know Linux wasn't the system and believe that Microsoft was? Yeah, I mean, that was my skill set at the time. I mean, generally most business development was built on Windows 12 years ago. Some of the Linux development would be sooner than that. And in that, you were either going kind of open source Java tools, which are pretty immature at the time or you were going on Microsoft stack.net and most of our internal stuff was .net, uh, was Microsoft. And then Craig, I don't know much about the QS one system. Was that Linux or what system was that? The, the original QS one system was assembler based. The original programmer guy who started QS one, probably one of the very first pharmacy systems. Both of these came from wholesale backgrounds and that's how they knew that the pharmacy needed computers so much. Yeah, actually, QS1 uh, started with the technology before the wholesaler. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Actually, the system was originally built, the, the first application for the system was utility billing and municipality billing, and then they, they moved the technology into pharmacy because they knew pharmacies as well. I find the history of, of, of healthcare technology in general just be fascinating. The QS1 came in they were already kind of a system before Smith kind of brought them on and said, let's get going on this. Let's let's use this for pharmacy per se. Well, he, he was the inventor. Oh, he was the inventor, but he didn't even use it for pharmacy right away? He started initially in, in local municipality uh, billing for the, the town of Spartanburg, city of Spartanburg. And wow. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. You know, innovators, inventors, and entrepreneurs, it just just amazed me. You take, you know, People like Jeff, and you look what Jeff built in such a short period of time. It's really just amazing. I'm always thinking of creative as starting something new for the first time. But they say that real creativity is seeing something in another area and then using it for something else instead of reinventing the wheel like that. So, Craig, what other system did Red Sail have? Do they have another one, too, besides QS1? Red Sail purchased uh, what was called the James Smith, uh, the Smith Technologies Corporation. Smith Technology was comprised of three businesses, QS1, Integra, and Integra uh, is a long-term care software solution provider, uh, delivery track and, and DocuTrack. And then in addition, a company called Public, which is, is still utility and, and tax billing software. Uh, and so from a pharmacy management system in the QS1 business, there's really two, two primary uh, software systems, which is NRX, which serves predominantly uh, retail, and PrimeCare, which serves predominantly long-term care. 
you guys are both going about your business. Craig, you're involved, but more on the business side of things because you're not a developer at all. Yeah, I listen to what Jeff tells me we should do on the technology front. Is And Jeff, you were doing everything with Pioneer. You are, but you're business and developing. True. Because you came in then, what, 12 years ago as a developer. Now you're the president. Where'd you pick up the skills along the way to be the president? Because I imagine those are different skills between being the top developer and the president. Yeah. So I was brought in to build a business. Mm. I wasn't brought in as a developer. I was brought in to, to build the business. You knew the developing and that's why it was a good match, but you were brought in to build the business. You look at a lot of successful companies and the lead of that company is technical. Absolutely. You know, whether that be Gates or Bezos, you know, he's an electrical engineer. Yeah. So a lot of times, one of my statements I would have said is that technology companies should be run by technologists, right? Because they understand what you can do, what you can't do. Uh, so is that typical? It's funny because a lot of times I'll introduce myself as a non-typical president, right? Yeah, it's, it's more it's more typical than not actually. If you if you you know uh, Red Cell's owned by Francisco Partners. If you look at the Francisco Partners, all they do is invest in software technology across industries. But uh, more typical than not for software companies, the CEO is a technical or uh, degreed engineer uh, CEO for sure. N not a vast majority, but a majority. Particularly if that company uh, has the same CEO from from founder on through the scaling the scaling phase of the business. It really seems you have to have that almost because the days would be 72 hours long if the software side had to explain everything that the leader comes to them with these wishes and stuff. And you guys probably know closer up front, like what can be done without going down a path forever until someone stops and says, no, we, we're not going to go that route. That would take forever or cost this or it's just not feasible kind of thing. It, it is good to have an understanding of all parts of it. And a couple of things helped me. Uh, I was raised in sales. Uh, my dad was a was a car salesman back when it was still a professional thing to do. We didn't listen to radio in the car. We listened to sales tapes, zig zig, yeah. et cetera. So so grew up with a lot of kind of entrepreneurial thoughts in my head. Uh, way to the top, eliminate stinking thinking. You can have anything you want in this life if you just help enough other people get what they want. So a startup company, for sure, you need product and sales. Yeah. And then figure out how to treat people right and support, which is education. Hmm. So I had some sales. I had some technology and had experience with education. Sounds like a good fit, right? And uh, I was fortunate to have in four years of teaching come across what I consider to be exceptional people and we're able to talk them to coming for our team. So a lot of the initial employees were former students, either on the continuing education side or are on education side. So guys who got more than just, hey, I want to do some zeros and ones that, that really got, I want to solve a problem for somebody. So Jeff, what was your task when you came in with Morris Dixon? They had a program and when they hired you, what kind of goals did they set out for you? I don't mean exact numbers, but was the goal to get a better system, a bigger system? Why did they actually bring you in? So the goal that they approached me with at that dinner was to build a Windows-based version 
that replaced the functionality of their existing Linux-based system. And I had been reading Good to Grade and some other books like that. And, and um, really, I came back to them and I said, hey, if the goal is to have a Windows pharmacy system, I'm out. I'm not really interested in that. If the goal is to have the best pharmacy system, to build the best pharmacy system in the world, okay, then I'm good. You know, I, I, I don't want it to just be checkbox of, hey, just do this into Windows. And what they were running into the time is uh, McKesson was giving away Windows-based system in order to get drug business. Oh, I see. And and they were losing from Sherbus because of that. And well, what I told them is it's going to have to be goal to be the best, which means you're going to have to not be wholesaler specific. If it's just a Morrison Dixon product, you'll never be the best. It's got to be nationwide. Their product at that time just sold where they sold, nine states. Mm. And um, they went away and came back and they bought into all that. And they spent their money to do that. Uh, really, they, they never, uh, until the end, they never took a dime out. They invested all the profits back into it. And I, I remember we, uh, we it took us about two years to build the beta. We came out of beta, the beta year, that year after beta, we put in 14 systems, kind of a post-beta. Came out of that, and I said, okay, so next year, I'm going to put in 100 systems. That's our goal. And I want to have 1,500 systems in five years. So I kind of set my own goals. The uh, My boss at that time, Mark Dixon, laughed out loud, I think uncontrollably, like it was accidental. And then he felt really bad about it because he's really a nice kind of grandfatherly guy. It's like, Jeff, you know, it's nice to have goals, you know, stars in the sky, right? But, but if you can't do that, it's okay. You know, just, just do your best. Well, that year we put in 98 systems. And we hit 1,500 in five years and two months. Wow. What was the year you hit the 1,500 about? Maybe 2012. Back in that mental Rolodex. 10 years ago-ish. Yeah, it's about 10 years ago, probably. Did McKesson system, was theirs branded to not be necessarily with McKesson? Or did people know that this was like McKesson's system? They did. Yeah, they were going around at that time and giving away Enterprise. That was tied in with McKesson. You knew that they were together. Yeah, McKesson would come in. McKesson, uh, drug guy, hey, switch your drugs. Uh, we'll give you uh, credits to pay for this pharmacy system. And they were giving them away. It, it worked beyond beyond just McKesson. But, you know, McKesson was in the pharmacy management system business to sell drug contracts, not to be in the pharmacy management system business. So you were tasked with saying, we've got to get something that's better enough to have people pay for it, not be free, all that kind of stuff, right? And we won many, many of the contracts against a, a free. That's a good aim to, you know, shoot for that. I think we all, well, pharmacy is, you know, bad at that, but shooting above free because then you usually come up with something decent because it's easy to give stuff away, you know? Talk to the pharmacy of the day. They're trying to give him no cost. They're going to give him some hardware. They're going to give him several months of stuff. It's, it, and he like looking at that and going, wow, they'll never get their money back. And I'm like, hmm, what are they doing? They're getting that money somewhere. They are getting their money back. And they're, they're not a charity. So think about where they're getting it and, and maybe uh, maybe you'll figure something out there. In multiple industries, you know, years ago I was in cardiology, radiology, we used to compete against free. You see free all the time in, in pharmacy. But to, to Jeff's point, if you're running a business as a loss leader for some other business, is is that 
lost leader business intended to be the best of anything. No, it's not. It's not forward thinking. It's not a lot of things. Yeah. It, it's in, what's intended to do is minimize the amount you have to spend in it so that you can get the other business. So, Craig, now I understand how Jeff got in then with what he's doing with Pioneer. So contrast what he did with your system. So you came in not developing, so you weren't brought in to make this a new system like he was. And so how does that contrast to yours? My background is healthcare technology broadly, cardiology, radiology for the first half, and then pharmacy for the, for the second half. Um, and for the last 10 years, I've run companies for Francisco Partners, and, and we, we come at it a little bit, or I, I come at it a little bit differently. And we, we first try to find a market that we think um, is A, not only attractive, but B, uh, ripe for some type of disruption and that that you can solve a really meaningful problem hmm. by doing so, uh, right? You, you don't just invest in technology for technology's sake. It's can you solve a big one. So we have been looking at the pharmacy management system space uh, and independent and some change space for quite a few years. I've, I've, I've looked at probably about every, every player in the market. And we come at it and say, geez, what's interesting for 30 years, more than 30 years, people have been saying the independent pharmacy market is going to decline. Uh, Walmart got into it. Walmart's going to put them out of business. That's, that, that's the end of it. Now, now, and Amazon's going to put them out of business. And, uh, and what you realize, it's a really resilient, resilient market. And there hasn't been a lot of what I'd characterize as massive shifts in business model uh, in it. And... So we come in and say, well, gee, the problem I think Red Sales trying to solve. I, I think we do a good job if we look back 10 years from now and say, if you were part of the Red Cell Pharmacy Network, we solved a couple problems that are really core to independent pharmacy. The economics for an independent pharmacy is not sustainable enough. And the care that independent pharmacy is providing can be dramatically better than what the larger chains are incented to do. And, and we actually think we can help solve both of those problems. And so there's a portion of pharmacy management system technology that there's a, a bit of how do you, you get enough independent pharmacy scale. And then I'd characterize as, as another uh, element of additional investment in, in other technologies, try to bring that all together. And so that's what, that's what Red Sales trying to do. Um, and one of the steps was trying to make sure that we had the best pharmacy management system uh, out there and not just but also the team that has demonstrated an ability to continually innovate uh, in this space. And so that was, Jeff was proactive. You know, Jeff didn't, didn't go run a big process uh, when Pioneer decided to sell. Uh, we were chatting with Jeff for a bit and Jeff, Jeff was looking for, uh, I think, uh, others like him that wanted to go solve similar problems. And, and we really gelled around a lot of those discussions and quickly around kind of what could we go and what could we go do with these businesses that's a bit different, I think, than what's been been tried in, in recent past. And so that, that's how I got here. And uh, I've stayed partnering with Francisco Partners because um, we've done that a few times in, in similar related markets. And so it's a lot of fun, number one, and it's um, meaningful to go try to solve 
some of the some of these big problems. So any type time we invest in a particular market, we start with what's the big market disruption that we're trying to accomplish here. Um, I think part of ours is making sure that we create a financially sustainable model and in, enable uh, independent pharmacy to be as more clinically advanced than any pharmacy network in uh, in the country. And I think that's possible. So, Craig, do you work for Francisco? So, Francisco Partners owns Red Cell Technologies. Gotcha. Red Cell Technologies uh, was created and purchased all of QS1 and Integra and public from uh, the Smith family. Gotcha. And, and, and then Red Cell partnered with Jeff and purchased Pioneer from the Dixon family. Was there a company that helped in the middle, like bring your companies together, like a, a merger team or anything or not? That's just Francisco. Yeah, it's just Francisco partners. That's Francisco. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The Dixons would have used a, a, a person as well. I mean, they use Goldman Sachs. That's why maybe read Goldman Sachs. They use Goldman, yeah. So then they meet up Goldman and Francisco. Well, typically the way the process works is um, usually when you're selling a, a business the scale of of Pioneer, the owners of that business, in this case the Dixons, usually get uh, an investment banking firm to help them through that process. Gotcha. As, as, as Jeff went through while you're trying to run your business and go through the process of selling a business, uh, it can be be pretty time consuming. A lot of due diligence. Jeff, Pioneer made the Dixon family made the first move of saying we want to sell Pioneer. Yeah, I think it's it's more complicated than that. The um, the Dixons had almost sold everything to McKesson about three years earlier. Oh, really? The Dixons were concerned about the whole opioid problem. Oh, interesting. Um. And, and that didn't work out. It wasn't a good connection, but it, it got the pioneer people thinking about the future. Mm. And as we really looked at it, the man, the pioneer management team, you know, we had actually talked to McKe talked to QS one probably a year before Craig got there about doing something together. We, we realized that we could not. If we didn't save independent pharmacy, if independent pharmacy didn't transform, we didn't have a business. And, and looked at to do what we were trying to do with independent, we did not feel that we could do it in a time enough way on our current trajectory, right? We figured we could get to where we needed to be the kind of scale in about 10 years. And so we went to the Dixon and said, you know, actually emailed and said, we think the management team believes we would benefit from different ownership. And so a lot of times when you're selling a business as amazing as Pioneer X, You'd put it out to bid, right? You sure here it is. Everybody come bid this. They didn't do that. This was a closed deal. They invited one company. They talked to one company, and that was the company that the management team, Pioneer management team, felt like um, would be the best for independent pharmacy. So even there in the end, the Dixons who didn't take any money out of it didn't make as much money as they could have made selling Pioneer. That they could have made more. They chose what they thought was the best for independent pharmacy and for the business. Did you know all the good people at Red Sale and all that when they were merging? Is that what you said this would be a good team? Or was it more like we like what QS1 has with their customers and their vision? So let's do that. I know it's one and the same, but which one did you know more of? Which one led in that category of saying this is going to help us? be the company we need to be. You knew the market size of a QS1. 
but really the people that that we were enamored with was the the team that Francisco partners as uh, Craig, uh, the strategist, a girl named Frances. Uh, they had put together a really really strong team, and so it, it was not just the access to more systems, right? And um, the things you can do with scale there, but you're looking for team. You're looking for people who have experience that you don't. You're looking to put other pieces together. And, and that's something that, that uh, the Red Cell Group has a history of doing uh, successfully. Jeff, when you say that you couldn't get there for so many years, what slows that process? Was it money? Was it market share that someone already else had that it would have taken you longer to show them that your system was superior? Would all that just take too long? How come you couldn't make an impact sooner? So one of those is just the the speed at which pharmacies are willing to change. So Pioneer today is the is the leading selling independent pharmacy system in the country. About fifty percent of people who choose to change or do something go with us. A lot of things are about network adequacy. So if I'm trying to get uh, if we're trying to get pharmacists in better networks. Right. By by helping them help their customers choose from a subset that can go to their pharmacy and therefore creating competition within that subset. You've got to have a good percentage in that state. So you go to states like Louisiana, North Carolina. Pioneer alone is is the majority of the pharmacies in that state, Montana. But network scale where you can actually help offer programs and things like that really comes with probably around eight thousand 9,000 systems. Slow that down for me, Jeff. What do you mean by network? What kind of networks? You're talking about payer networks, PBMs. You're saying Pioneer can help get pharmacies into certain networks? Certainly hope you can. I'm not familiar with that. What do you mean by that? Is that like, I mean, I'm always thinking that is like a PSAO or something. How does Pioneer help get people into networks? Step back for a second. You say, what are CVS and Walgreens doing? They've vertically integrated we vertically integrated the market. I'll, I'll argue with anybody on whether that has resulted in better clinical care or not. Um, but but they vertically vertically integrated the market, and and so what does that mean? That means they now are able to to push markets around because of the size and scale that they are. Then we think of, think about uh, Red Cell a little bit different. We've got a pharmacy network as large as either of those players now. We're not choosing to vertically integrate, but we're choosing to integrate and create solutions where we can shine a light on what they're actually doing better, right? And, and what is that? That, in my opinion, it's clinical care across a lot of disease states, as an example. And, and we have the wherewithal to then aggregate that across states, within states, and then take that and act like that larger player in those states and say, wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense to me why you're excluding this block of customers that we're able to prove to you is providing superior clinical care and you're excluding them from the network. Oh, you still don't want to? Okay, we actually have technology that can disadvantage you as a payer in that state and we've got enough pharmacies to do it. That makes perfect sense to me that that's the case. I just haven't seen that marketed from, and maybe it just went over my head. I haven't seen that marketed from a computer vendor before. And maybe it's because in Michigan, 
we don't have much problem getting into networks. I mean, they're all terrible. They all stink, but we don't have problem getting into them. Is that the case? Maybe that because we're getting into them, that that's why it just isn't front on my mind that the computer processing would help with that? At the beginning of the year, there wasn't an independent one who was in a preferred network. Are you in preferred networks? In Michigan, our preferred networks, we pay nine bucks for every prescription for a preferred network. Would it be good if you could get a preferred network? It would, but not if I'm paying $9 to the network for every prescription I fill. So PBMs use preferred networks to steer patients to different pharmacies because they believe those pharmacies can do better for them in some way. Sure. Right. That That's what they've, they've bought into. Yeah. Imagine if those payers believed that you would be better for them. Lower cost of care, et cetera. What if they also believed that the that there was highly competitive, the five plans or 10 plans that you went to your pharmacy were highly competitive and they need to compete with each other to have a better plan for the patient? Yeah. So if you could create that environment, you could create an environment that would have a PBM trying to steer people to you and then trying to compete within you to be better plan than the other plans that also allow people to come to you. You guys know better than I do. That's a great plan. I just haven't heard, I just haven't seen the computer vendors acting in that regard. You're right. You know, it goes back to what we were talking about uh, inventors and founders and innovation. You, you, you can innovate a technology solution. You can also innovate a business model. Uh, and, and I'd say you're, what you're seeing Red Sail start to do is not only leverage Pioneer to innovate pharmacy management systems, part of the reason we exist is to innovate the business model in, in pharmacy. That's our job. We look back five or 10 years from now, we're going to measure ourselves on how, on how successful we were doing that. Th that business model existed once we closed, once Red Cell purchased Pioneer and had US1. That's the business model we're creating with Red Cell. We probably talked to six companies in the last two months since we closed that are saying things like, well, we've only done business with chains, but hey, you've got scale now. We're interested in talking to you. This is coming. This is what Red Sale, this is your guys' goal to say that we're going to become a force. Well, the new model is we're going to put together some pharmacy services and so on that are going to be this new thinking that's going to make better care and so on. So PBMs are going to be kind of standing in line for people that have this new technology because they know how much it can improve patient care, then save money and those kind of things. Yeah, I think I think that's totally true. And I think if you go back to when we were talking earlier when Jeff and I first met, we were we were sitting in in the Pioneer offices with uh, Francisco Partners and myself and the Dixons and and Francis. This is the discussion we were having, saying, "Hey." Do we all believe in this and this hypothesis that we can create this if 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 we get uh, enough network adequacy and and if we do okay that starts to get really exciting again fast forward until December and we're we're not trying to make it reality that's really exciting because right now in pharmacies when they talk about size it's like all right there's maybe a size difference but it's only a size difference because we agreed to buy from this wholesaler, or we agreed to say we're part of this buying group or something, but you guys are coming along with 
Yes, it's a size difference, but it's a size difference for a reason. We're all joining this because we can do something better. It's not just who you join. And that's really cool. I think that's a really important point, right? So we could choose and go down a PSAO route, uh, but, but I think there's also a theme that I think Pioneer has done an exceptional job doing, not only innovating uh, the Pioneer technology, but also uh, doing it in a way that one, uh, nurtures the independence of independent pharmacy. There's a reason they're independent pharmacists, right? They like, they like that independence, but then designing the workflow and the technology so that you, you can practice it at, at best of class care, just using the system like you're supposed to use it, right? And so I don't think you necessarily need to uh, be a PSAO to do that. And in fact, I think it's, it's much more effective if you just build the good practice of care into the system, let the system make sure that you're providing that. We, we aggregate that information service on, for the pharmacies so we then can shine a light to the, in this case, we're talking about the payers, say, hey, this is the group of pharmacies that actually practices the best care. And sure, not only should you let them in your network, but we can also go go take that quality of care and turn it into a competitive environment for the PBMs. We think, because we think the PBMs are, are going to value that or the, or the, the payers for sure, uh, because it, we see the data in our system and we, we see what's happening. What are some things that you would sit there with a PBM and tell them, look, this is why we're more valuable. What's an example of that? System-wise, it, it depends on how the the payers aligned. So if the payers align in the healthcare side, that's easy, mm-hmm. right? You're working on adherence. You're working on the right, making sure they get the right medication. Uh, you are talking right medication, getting them to an on formulary medication, making sure they're not taking the wrong medications. Uh, big new thing that's coming now, Medwise, which is making sure the medications are timed properly during the day. You can have massive difference in a patient's outcomes based on the timing. Uh, hey, twice a day didn't necessarily mean two of them at 8 o'clock and two of them at 1 o'clock, right? It, it, because of how those conflict with each other. The carrot. A stick on the PBMs is highlighting during the season of enrollment who the better ones are for the patient and for you and having a system that drives it to the best plan for you and for the patient. That's kind of a stick. You also have other payers. You have manufacturer who's out there paying. Manufacturer is interested in adherence. They're interested in the patient getting the drug that was prescribed, not the one that the PBM's fighting with them over, over getting. Um, plus, outside of the whole drug world, you've got the health plan, right? You've got you know services based and. Interesting. I was kind of controversial in in a, an innovations board meeting not too long ago, and I said, "Do DRR fees really matter?" Sure, they're kind of an interim way of cutting down on price, but our biggest problem is that drugs that used to cost a couple hundred dollars cost five dollars now, and we're paid based on percentages. So in the end, we've got to find a new model. We got to get paid for something different. Uh, one of those is being a telehealth extender. Extender. Saw a new um, thing just today at a Kaiser Permanente. Ninety-five percent of their patients have tried telehealth. Eighty-five percent of them said, "Hey, we're willing. We're going to choose telehealth for our our next GP visit." 
And so I, I have a saying that I think I admitted, maybe I didn't, but that it, it's kind of funny and circular if you think about it, but people who don't use telehealth haven't tried telehealth. Okay. And kind of, okay, yeah, if they haven't tried it, they haven't used it. But the point is there is once people try it, they generally like it, find it convenient and keep using it. There's going to be a big play for pharmacy in a, being a telehealth extender. That telehealth provider can't do a flu test. They can't do a strep test, can't do a COVID test. They can't do an allergen skin test. And so there's going to be a big play for independent pharmacy of being that place I can go to get whether that might just be my blood pressure check once a month because I'm poor or et cetera. So, so big roles for new money. None of that happens without technology. When you talk about the time of day stuff, does that tie into your mobile platform that's in the customer's hand and they'd scan something or whatever? And then you would be able to prove to the PBM like, hey, they're taking this every 12 hours and not three hours apart. Good. That's a great example. Absolutely. But you could see a pharmacist being paid to analyze and adjust the time of day that a patient's on. I mean, getting back to the stuff you learned in school, right? Actually, how the pathways, how these things work. I love the car parking example, right? Certain drugs want to park in the same space. And so if you take them at the same time, one of them is not going to be effective. Whoever gets in the, the parking space first. So you got to spread them out. You know, a lot, of, a lot of our patients are walking around in kind of a zombie state because they're taking stuff too close together time-wise. Grouping groups by their pharmacy system would seem to be huge because we know just grouping pharmacies by the amount of pharmacies in the buy group doesn't seem to mean a whole lot besides numbers, but those can flight around so much. You got some people that might say, we're grouping by pharmacists that really care. You know, it's like, well, all pharmacists care. It kind of depends on what, who they're owned by, what system, and who they focus on kind of thing. So that's that's really cool, going with the technology focus. We were talking with a, a buying group not too long ago that was checking our interest for a, particular, for a particular program. And Jeff and I were asking kind of, well, what's success look like? And the answer is, oh, 5 or 10% adoption of the programs, great. That's terrible. Like, how could that possibly be, be success? Well, if that's really what you want to do, then build it in, build it into the workflow of the system and make good practice of care equal that. And then you get most adoption. And to me, that that's a, that's a core difference between trying to drive this through a technology lens versus just a, a grouping of buying interest lens. I think there's very, a very important difference there uh, because that can, that can cross states, that can cross disease states cross physical states, it can cross disease states, it, it can it can um, it can take a lot a lot of different different uh, manifestations just based on how you're trying to drive drive the information flow within that system. And I think there's not anything that's occurring in pharmacy that's not linked to that system. So we're capturing it all. The question is how well are we then pooling it and making sure that the payers and the manufacturers are giving independent pharmacy their fair due for it. Everything's captured through technology. I mean, arguably, maybe not a twinkle in your eye. Even that can be measured, though, by customer feedback and uh, rating scales. And everything is going to go through technology, it seems. And it's going to have to be amazing. Independent pharmacy going to succeed with technology that's not as good as Amazon's? No. And so if you really look at the play... You've got to have 
You got to have great technology. The technology has to allow you to do what you're trying to do almost accidentally. Yeah, you have to trip over it basically in a good way. You can't go around a lot of time trying to find stuff to do. Oh, let me, let me, do I need to do this? Let me, let me look, do I need to do this? It, it needs to be right there. And, and Pioneer, we're continually working. We've got a, a program right now that, that pays the pharmacist to go over a printout with a patient on a new drug that they have when they first get it. Manufacturers actually paying the pharmacist to do that, to make sure they get a good education. We started off with a 5% adoption. Just too hard for people to find. We just made a modification that we have about 25% completion. We expect our next modification to be 60 or 70% completion. We're trying to make it easier where it's almost harder not to do it than to do it. And you can do that with technology. You can't do that with 20 different technologies. CVS can do it because they say, Mike, if you don't do this, we're going to fire you. Right? And, and really, even at that, they don't do it great. They can tell you on some of their completion stuff. We have motivated people, but the technology has to help them. So, so if you look at CVS brings people together in their em, employment by threat of firing, we're bringing a group together by technology, right? And by bringing that group together, we can go to a manufacturer and say, hey, our pharmacists are going to do this. What will you pay them? make it really easy for you guys to do it where that X you're getting paid doesn't hardly cost you anything at all. And then let's get hundreds of those. One phrase I use in my pharmacies all the time is like, guys, like when we made a mistake, I'm like, you guys, how can we trip over this next time? So there's no, absolutely no way we can do this again. You know, you'd be surprised at what stuff you can put in front of somebody though. And it's still usually me, you know, missing something. Jeff, I heard you on another program and you said that when some software was bought or something like that, there was, I forget the number, there was 26 or 30 different variations of that software. And there, there was like no way to update that. So one of the keys is bringing stuff together to make it more of a, I forget. Does that ring a bell to you, Jeff, or not? Yeah, no, it sounds like I was talking about one of our superpowers with, with Pioneer X that we did very early on was made sure everybody was on the same version of the software. That was it. Yeah, that was it. So we created an auto-updater where it automatically updates. Very easy to roll back one if it's broken. Database always backwards compatible. Because of that, support's easier. Uh, you don't talk to somebody on the phone and, and tell them, oh, this thing you want to do, Mike, it, it's done. All you can do is upgrade five versions ahead. And yeah, right. It's like, right. no, last time I did that, it <laughs> broke. I'm never upgrading again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then people don't do it forever. Use those discs as uh, as uh, coasters, whatever you send them. My wife does that. She did that with her iPhone. She had like an update. It was probably like three years old, you know, so I'd use it for something. She says, don't, don't press that. I can't <laughs> update it. Don't, don't update it. Right now you have QS1 and let's say you have Pioneer. Let's say you pick up some other ones. Red Sale, how many systems do you want? Would you rather everybody would go to one? Well, I'd love if the whole country is on Pioneer. That'd be, that'd be It's just not going to happen right away? or uh, You go back to what Jeff talked about on, on how things, the, the length of time it takes for farmers to, to convert. You know, I, I think the answer is that there's, there's two, two different uh, paths you go by on this. One is you make sure that we're uh, giving people all the good incentives and, sh and shining a light on, on why Pioneer is such an innovative system and the things you can do. And if you look at what Jeff will be coming out with here shortly uh, around COVID as an example uh, and, and vaccine management, I think it's, it's a, a great example of that. 
Um, so that's step one. Step two is to make sure that we can give you some of what you can get with Pioneer is an example. We, we think that a lot of the mobile applications and messing app applications that a Pioneer has would really benefit the QS1 uh, customers, right? And so you're gonna see us move to do that. The third piece is make sure that we uh, take care of the QS1 customers we continue to invest, particularly in support. We we do things like as soon as we bought QS1, looked and saw that they were on pretty close to that 27 versions uh, that you were talking about. <laughs> That's, I think, what Jeff had mentioned, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we, we, we've got them to three now. We'll get them to one here uh, in the next six months or so. And that goes a long way to how do you improve the support level. So make sure we're taking care of the QS1 customers, good support, and giving them good paths to conversion to be able to practice at top of license. There, there are some things you can do in QS1 or in, in Pioneer that you're just not going to be able to do in QS1. And we got to make it easy for you to uh, to move to the best technology in, uh, in the country. And from our perspective, that's great. We're, we're, we're willing to be uh, patient and supportive of it be, because either way, you're still a red cell customer and, and we'll do that. The only, the only uh, other item I'd highlight is the long-term care segment. Mm. We're, we're actively investing in a next generation long-term care pharmacy management system that, that uh, we'll be launching to market here in, in a few quarters. Uh, and, and so we're, we're, we're very excited about that as well. So that, that would be the only, only subset exception to the, the concept of, of moving everybody to Pioneer. So right now it's just to QS1 and Pioneer. Well, QS1 has a an old uh, an RX. Yeah, QS1 technically, if you're out in the in the total install base of QS1, there are four pharmacy management systems today. They merged and they've they're bringing along their little family of. Well, no, they just kept launching things. Uh, to oh. so the original <laughs> system was was RX Care Plus. There's still. Okay. There's still some RX. It's a character based system. There's still some of those out there. Vast majority yeah. are on NRX. Uh, some are on a newer platform called SharperX, but very, a very uh, few. And and then the long-term care solution is is Prime Care, um, and that's that's a true long-term care uh, uh, solution. And so we'll very, very rapidly try to try to uh, move SharperX and RX Care Plus uh, over to Pioneer and, and the NRX folks as well. We'll continue to support NRX for sure. Was there a system itself called QS1? NRX, which is that one product a lot of people called QS1. It's just gotcha. how they how they did that. But gotcha. One of the things that you will you'll see Pioneer do in Red Sail and do even more of is doing things that are in the best interest of independent yep. pharmacy. Yep. Hmm. Now, an individual may not feel today that that's in their personal best interest because right. that's are independent for a reason. Sure. But we are true in the belief, and this is one of the reasons we love Francisco Partners, is they designed, there's some models out there, the Gorgon Gecko, right? You, you buy it, you break it up, you, the pieces are worth more, and they're very aggressive. Sure. Francisco Partners believes in it's got to be a success for the customer, success for the employee, and a success for the owners, or you're not going to have success. If you don't build, if you don't shoot for that as your goal, it's not going to be successful. But some of that's going to be, and you may have seen in the past, the Pioneer, we roll out with seven different options. 
You know, the installer comes in and tells you 12 different ways you can do it because it's a dependent pharmacy system. I think you're going to see more and more of this is how we recommend to do it. You want to do what you think, this is how you should do it. This is, and, and you're going to see things optimized. A great example of that is uh, IOUs versus the partial fills, right? Partial fills the right way. It's the right way with insurance. It's the right way for everything else. You'll have people doing partial fills and they say, well, I wish you would keep up with it, whether or not it did it in the will call. Okay, that's partial fills. Yes, those you want are over here. And you're going to see that with pharmacy systems. You're going to see that as, you know, they're, they're saying, hey, are you going to support all these forever? We're going to do what's in the best interest of our customers. I think that's an easier sell because all of your customers for those products are all independent pharmacies. And so I would buy into that. You know, if they say some do it this way, some do it that way. And it's not like I'm saying, don't set it this way because it was probably set up that way for the chain stores they have, or it was probably set up that way for this thing they have. If I know that a company is setting it up 100% for the independent pharmacy, it's like, yeah, if everybody else is doing this way, I'll get used to it. I'm agreeing with you, Jeff, that I'd rather have sort of six different options to do something. I'd rather have you guys do the dirty work for me, pick the best one, say, Mike, this is the best one people like. You'll get used to it. That's right. I just watched a documentary on um, Mac's uh, movie software. You know, they were doing all these programs up to like version seven. Then they went to version 10 and they said, this is a good way they're doing it, guys. Five-year-old kids are doing this on their cell phone. So I think sometimes people like the beauty of something being difficult. It's like, no, let's do the one that a five-year-old can do. Yeah, that's right. If you if you look at Pioneer, was it two, two features a week, Jeff, roughly? Yeah, it may sound more than that, but... Why is that model so well-liked? Well, because it's very focused on the needs of independent mm-hmm. pharmacy. That's the right way to do it. If I tried to do that and, and get the QS1 engineers, who are really talented engineers, by the way, to do that on the older versions of the QS1 system, in some areas, one line of code is equal to a thousand lines of code in the older systems. You can't do it. So I, I could continue to try to tell a pharmacist, hey, we'll, we'll continue to support that even though we'll never be able to come close to meeting your expectation or need versus saying, look, what you've really got to do is go dot pioneer. <laughs> This week, we'll roll out defaults for vaccines because used to used to do four a day, and now you'll have days you're doing 400. So it's it's probably not okay to go to a different tab and choose what arm you put it in. So we're going to roll out defaults. We're going to default to, hey, the administration date's the fill date. The, it's the left arm. It's uh, intramuscular, right? And and your default that is different. Go change it. It's not different. We'll roll out that this week. Next week, we're going to roll out something different. We'll roll up a pop-up form in the, within the next two weeks to put some of those fields in. So um, you, you're going to have some independent that says, we always choose the right arm. I don't know, maybe. Um, we're not going to put in an option to what your default is, left arm or right arm. It's going to go out left arm. And uh, so there'll be some of those kind of things that, you know, you're hitting the, what, 95% of the people. It seems there has to be a percentage or else you're going to drive yourself batty because if you make too many options... It would take forever just to set up all the options. Yeah, just give me defaults. I'm good with defaults. As long as the part that makes you independent, independent. Talking about growth, will that be a two-edged sword, Craig? Well, you guys will continue to want to grow, but 
a year from now, all of a sudden I'll come back to you and you'll be crying and you'll say, Mike, we just got 30 different computer systems. I mean, because now you just have QS1, which has a couple or three. You'd want to grow by bringing on a hundred different acquisitions of smaller companies, but then you've got all these people that you've got all these systems again. You'd have to get them to pioneer pretty quickly because you'd drive yourself batty with more than a few of those, right? We, we've talked about narrowing the number the number of farms management systems. And we've also talked about uh, how do you leverage the network adequacy to go drive meaningful changes in the economics and access to patients for, for pharmacies. I don't think adding another two or three small pharmacy management systems goes at solving that big problem at all. I, I, I think we go invest in two or three areas. You're, you're seeing us uh, continue the pioneer investment and if anything, accelerate it. You're seeing us invest in, uh, in the next generation long-term care solution. And you'll see us make investments probably inorganically or through acquisition in areas that really align around the clinical care within pharmacies. I, I think that's a far, far better solution for us. Your goal, which I agree, would not be to pick up 50 pharmacies by buying some smaller software because then all of a sudden you're screwed because you brought another program on and you, which you don't want. And and it's not worth those 50 to get that. You'd rather make a, a better system and hopefully give those 50 people a reason to choose Pioneer from the start. Absolutely. We, we've, got, we've got good network adequacy now. We've got the best pharmacy management system now. And so now we can turn our attention to, to investing and driving those services and programs that can really change uh, the clinical care and economics for, for the pharmacies that we've been talking about for the, for the last hour. That, that's, where you, that's where you'll see us spending the time. Yeah, that makes sense. You drive yourself batty. Yeah, you have to think vertically. You may buy some other companies, but they're not going to be a pharmacy software vendor. Yeah. Something that that synergy helps. You know, CVS out there doing it, right? You, you have Optum just bought ERX. So you want to try to buy complementary businesses that complement independent pharmacy and make, in, make the whole business stronger. And when I say the whole business, I mean my business and your business. I think a great example of that, you'll, um, you know, I, I think you'll see us really study, can we make a true, imp, uh, a true differential impact with a telehealth solution uh, alongside Pioneer? Maybe. I don't know the answer to that question just yet. I sure think so, probably. And, and you'll see us spend a lot of time studying that very, very quickly and, and making some decisions on that. You know, wh where do we think the puck needs to be for independent pharmacy in five years? We, we were very planful. Jeff and I were talking before we closed the QS1 acquisition, right? So we had a pretty good vision of where we wanted to go uh, on, on that prior to closing either of those acquisitions um, and felt like we could go execute on it. Even though Pioneer and Red Sale didn't join till later. You and Jeff were already talking about whether QS1 would be a good system. Red Sale was in discussions to buy QS1 or in due diligence, but we were also speaking with Jeff because Jeff and I had started talking and we were very much aligned on, on kind of this vision for network adequacy and the types of solutions you could drive with it, but it would require a, 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 enough locations to be able to go get that done. Let's say right now that you two met and you didn't have any of this company behind you, you know, for some reason it's in a different lifetime. And well, let's say this, you guys were so good that the company said, Hey guys, we don't want you anymore. You're so good. Go do your own thing. 
however you want to paint this story. Let's say you're not with Red Sail and not with Pioneer, okay? Let's say those two companies don't exist. You guys met each other for the first time. With all your history, you know, maybe some funding, but no customer base or whatever right now. What would you two come up with right now on your own? It probably wouldn't be saying, let's go invent a computer system and get 10,000 customers. Maybe it would be, but what road would you take right now if you two met each other, had all your history together, but you were not working for Red Sail or Pioneer? Just the behind the scenes, Craig's made a promise to his wife that his next deal is going to be to buy some local businesses. Why local? To not have you traveling around the country? Well, I mean, b- before I was traveling around the country, I was traveling around the world. Uh, oh, so, yeah. So, so the improvement in the in the work life balance was not being in Japan and Europe and right and, and everything, but with traveling across the U.S. Um, uh, and and I, I'm from Pittsburgh, and um, I'm very passionate about helping to grow the local the local economy. In yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. But I, you know, the way I'd answer it is, Jeff and I would probably have have had had to meet after Jeff created his next innovation. See, I, I think I think Jeff and I work so well together because our, our skill sets are complementary. Right? Jeff is just the epitome of a founder, innovator, great CEO for a technology uh, company. I'm not the guy that's going to build that startup. I've, I've been the co-founder of Trellis RX, which is a, it's a great business doing well. I give the, the 99.9% of the credit to Andy Maurer and the team that, that's running that business. But I'm really good at market strategy and uh, scaling businesses rapidly. And I, I love meeting Jeff when, as we've met with Pioneer, because I think Pioneer is frankly just still on the very early growth curves. I also would love to meet Jeff on, on the, the next thing that Jeff is going to invent, kick around a couple beers talking about how do we scale it far far more rapidly th- than you can on, on kind of a traditional model. That, that's, I think, where the, real, where the real fun for me is. So what do you got inside of you, Jeff? If you weren't in this and someone gave you a non-compete in pharmacy software, and let's say that Craig didn't have a uh, curfew on him and he could do a little traveling at least, what would be your next thing? If you look at the healthcare world, and, and I know it from the piece where I'm looking in. I think there's a big need for somebody to step up on health information exchange. Yeah. The uh, clearinghouse for medical claims, the whole care plan. Uh, mm. The care plan, to me, the real realization of the care plan is, is, is an information sharing mechanism. Today, you see the e-care plan being used a lot for billing. Right? I'm going to send it because I, I did a MedSync and this payer pays for that. I really see it as a mechanism for data exchange. Uh, a, a care plan holds your allergies, your drugs you're on, everything like that. Imagine if, hey, this trading partner gets a copy if somebody abandons something. They don't pick it up. This person gets it if they do pick it up. This person gets it. There's a business out there for an intermediary who's sending all these things around based on certain events that occur. I was reading last week, I don't think it was medical, but it was something about at least having an information pod. So no longer do the social media places own all this stuff. You have your own pod. So kind of a a pod of healthcare that you're not reinventing the the forms and claims and all that every time. It's like a universal, people are maybe afraid of the term universal, but a database that is carrying all this. But I'd be, I'd be building something technical. That's, that's why Craig would say he, he'd want to meet me further into it because... 
he likes mid-sized companies. He likes taking a mid-sized when the, when they when they start that rise, uh, helping them to rise quicker and, and and stuff like that. And I I enjoy I I kind of enjoyed all pieces of this journey. Uh, the for me, I used to be one of those kind of change things every four years. Well, I've gotten to change things every four years. They just happen to have been at the same place. Your job changes after four years of a startup. And then maybe four years later, your job changes again because now everybody's like, oh, no, what did we create? We got to protect it. <laughs> bring in the MBAs, right? They fire off the horns to bring in the MBAs and let's protect it. And, and, and if you're smart, you figure out a way to learn enough that they don't do that. And My late father would have loved you, Jeff, with thinking of uh, that healthcare information because in the later years of his life, he had bone cancer, but it would affect the swelling of his brain and he would forget a lot of things. But one thing he remembered is every time he would go into a new appointment, they'd always ask him the same questions, you know, his birth date, his street address, all this stuff. He's like, you guys have got to have this somewhere already. You just asked me this yesterday, you know, and this is the same healthcare system. They're all asking this stuff again. Yeah. Boy, it seems like, yeah, with all the forms you fill out for all the healthcare and college stuff, it's like, someone's got to have this. I know Google has tried that, you know, with their Google health thing, but maybe people don't trust that enough. I don't know. What Google found in Microsoft too is that, people really don't have an interest in managing their health information. Mm. Most people aren't going to go on a website, prove who they are, and then flag who gets what access to what. Right. There's a place, there's a huge opportunity for pharmacy to help a patient manage their healthcare record and who gets, who gets access to it. People want it together, but they just want to give permission to someone like a pharmacist who they trust and so on. What would you tell couple of young punks coming out of college right now with maybe pharmacy, but maybe some developing skills, maybe some business skills. What would you tell somebody that said they want to be sitting in your similar seats, not the same product and so on? I've got a 19-year-old son. My, my niece is a, a 20-year-old pharmacy student. So uh, Oh, is that right? We've been on a call where uh, Craig's got a 19-year-old son where he's like, hey, come, you need to hear this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got right. some real world advice right here. I, I give the same advice to kids coming out of school that I longer I, I still do. I think it's really really basic. Get, get extremely passionate about something. Um, work like hell to be great at something. Um, you, you, you've got to you've got to be great at something and be really selfish early on in your career with learning. Um, hmm. You know, I, I I always talk about the, the very the very first company I bought. Uh, I was going off to due diligence and I was way too young to be able to be leading this due diligence. I was like 25 years old. I got a great opportunity. And the CEO of the business said, hey, I want you to meet this management team and I want you to have one sheet of paper. On the left side, put tick marks when they ask you a question. On the right side, put a tick mark when they make a statement. At the end of the meeting, if there's a lot more statements and questions, run like hell because they're, they're, they're a really dumb management team. If they spend mm. most of their time asking you questions, they're probably pretty smart because if you take the same two kids come out of college, same intelligence, same work experience, but one of them asks 50% more questions their whole life, think of the intelligence that they, they have and the knowledge they have compared to the one that wasn't intellectually curious. It, it's staggering. So mm -hmm. I think you got to build kind of that in intellectual curiosity sure. uh, and, a, and a basic work ethic. I'm living the dream. I'm more passionate about what I'm doing than I've ever been in my life. It even got a little new bump there, independent pharmacy. I uh, Pioneer's the best pharmacy system in the world, so do something great. And um, Craig and team is amazing. 
I was listening to Tim Cook from Apple the other day, and uh, I'm not an Apple guy, but I was listening to him or reading about him. I'm not an Apple guy. <laughs> I got to throw that in. Just like when I tell people, it's like when I'm talking about business stuff and, it, and it's getting into law stuff and I say, um, I'm not an attorney. And it's like, you didn't need to know that, but it just felt good telling somebody that I'm not an attorney, you know? No, but he said, if you go out of orbit and then come back and look back in at Apple, ultimately it's going to be a healthcare company. People are going to say, Apple changed the health of the world kind of thing. What's your comment on that? I mean, do you think that Apple will be known as a healthcare company, maybe with their mobile stuff and watches that ultimately that's going to be their future? Hmm, that's a good question. I, yeah. Just probably, I'll give you two. Well, I've got an Apple Watch. It works works pretty well, but mainly because if you go back to earlier things, I don't have to do anything with it. I, I do think they they do they do a good job of just making it happen. Uh, and and uh, that being said, I, I, if I answer that question today, I'd probably say no. I, I think it's going to be a small company that we don't know about yet. We we like to view the Amazons and the Apples of the world like it's there's something really really unique, and we haven't seen this type of thing decades ago in the Industrial Revolution and everything. I think you're going to see those companies get out innovated soon. I, I really do. I, I, I think you're going to see them get out innovated. One of the things that I've always told people to be kind of controversial because it seems to be my nature sometimes is you're a technology company. All companies today are technology companies. If you're going to be a successful pharmacy, you're really a technology company, right? You're going to be a successful healthcare provider. You've really got to be a technology company because you're not going to do it successfully without technology. To hear somebody say that a technology company is really going to be a healthcare company is, is kind of opposite to me because you can't do it without the technology. So they may choose in their technology stack to improve health. And I think that's great. I think one of those things that's going to benefit pharmacy is tests are going to become cheaper. They're going to become, you're going to have a day somebody can come into your pharmacy and you can do a CBC, right? And and you're going to have the equipment's going to be cheap enough. I was in a pharmacy a couple of weeks ago and um, they had a blood machine in their pharmacy that ran a bunch of different types of scans. They had a deal with public health to screen diabetes customers to do a, something with a group of diabetic uh, customers. So um, is a lot of technology we leverage for health? Sure. We spend a whole lot of our money in the United States on, on health. But I think in the end, Apple's going to be a technology company. <laughs> Today, you would say Apple is an entertainment company. What they're selling is entertainment. Music. and You got the iPhone because it was cooler. You could play games on it. You could do those things. They're saying in the future, people will buy Apple technology because it's a health. And, and you've, seen that. you've seen companies buy all their employees' Apple watches to track their steps and given rewards for so many steps. So I, I think I could see how that makes sense. So Craig and Jeff, if you could put a feeling or an adjective on what you're selling, independent pharmacies, what would that be? What feeling do you think that you're selling pharmacies? Hope. Interesting, hope. Yeah, I, I think you heard uh, somebody, uh, not one of us to say in a podcast uh, just recently uh, that all of the good things that need to happen in pharmacy aren't going to happen if Pioneer doesn't help. They're not going to happen if Pioneer doesn't help. There is a future for independent pharmacy. That their kids, I have people come up to me at trade shows and one with a son and a daughter and both of them going into pharmacy, right? We got all our eggs in one basket, both kids going into pharmacy. Is there a future? Yes, there's a future if we make one together. Craig, what's yours? 
Mine was very simple. Mine was belief. I don't think we can just make independent pharmacy survive. I think we can make it thrive. I, I actually think it has all the elements to, to be uh, the best place to get healthcare in this country. It just needs some more nurturing. Uh, and, and nurturing with a, a, a very aggressive push towards towards uh, amazing technology solutions. And I, and I think what, what Pioneer's developed, one good example of, of where you're going to see us continue to invest. I tell some of my workers, you know, you always think about the future of independent pharmacy and you say, guys, we've got whatever, 12 touch points a year. And, you know, the main thing is people are dying of is heart disease and cancer. I mean, they're dying of health things, you know, even speaking about Apple, you know, look at Steve Jobs. Out of all the things that he had, it's his health that took him. There's a lot of room for pharmacy. We just need smart guys like you to keep leading us. And, and some great young students come out of pharmacy school. I think you you got to keep feeding the uh, the profession. I enjoyed this. One of the things I've enjoyed mostly about these podcasts, just getting to know different people. And and uh, you're one of my favorite people to listen to. I, I, let's just give it to you. You're my favorite podcast to listen to. And, uh, you know, as far as pharmacy is concerned, I, I enjoy a lot of the conversations. And I appreciate that, Jeff. It means a lot to me. Sorry, I've never been to your pharmacy. I'm sure it's amazing. I need to make it up there at some point. Well, first of all, thank you very much. That's flattering. And I don't know if you want to see the pharmacy. I'm better at sitting on my ass and talking than I am probably. <laughs> well, you're amazing at that. So that's a high bar. So you've set a high bar for yourself. <laughs> all right, you guys. Well, you keep it up. And we're eagerly awaiting uh, your cool things coming forth. So keep it going. All right, Mike. Hey, really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Right, take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes.